We bring in David Bernhardt, who's the former Secretary of the Interior, and he is uh, now working with uh, the America First Policy Institute. Uh, David, thank you for doing this. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Larry. Uh, we're going to spend the whole half hour together, if you can. <laughs> this is a lot, this is, so much to talk about. Um, let me begin uh, with um, your successor, former House member Deb Halland, over in the Interior Department. Uh, the leasing season or the leasing decision season is uh, among us. And the way I read it is, uh, first of all, there could be no new leases at all. If there are any leases, there'll be a small amount, way below the Trump baseline. No, no offshore in the Atlantic, no offshore in the Pacific, maybe something in the Gulf of Mexico, maybe something in Alaska, although they've already turned against Alaska. Anyway, you used to make these decisions at the Interior Department. What do you make of what uh, these decisions look like now under Ms. Holland and President Biden? Well, uh, as as normal, you uh, are spot on with your facts. I mean, here here's the reality. Um, you know, from my perspective, the Biden administration's hostility towards uh, American produced oil and gas uh, really seems to have no bounds. And I'm convinced that they simply do not see the benefit of American production for the American consumer, for the American economy, for our national security, and even for the global uh, environment. And um, what they have done with this plan is uh, the Friday before the 4th of July, uh, for the first time um, uh, ever, they missed the deadline uh, to get a plan out before um, the plan, the old plan expired. So the old plan expired. They rolled out this proposal. And as you said, um, they took um, a large swath um, of, the, of the, you know, all of the Atlantic, all of the Pacific and said no leasing there. And then they said maybe maybe there'd be leasing in the Gulf of Mexico. And so they laid out a proposed schedule, but they were very, very clear that they may not um, proceed with that proposed leasing schedule. And that is really um, an unprecedented statement. And, you know, my initial view of it is, is simply that um, they looked at the, where the energy prices were um, and their reaction was, to essentially punt. They didn't want to make the hard decision of saying, hey, there's definitively not going to be leasing. Um, and so they put out this possibility to kind of assuage both sides. And, you know, they did that in the context. You said, you know, gas is down a little bit at 470 today. Uh, but to put that in context, you know, when the economy was roaring in 2019, um, the average price of gasoline um, this time uh, in 19 would have been about $2.80. Mm. So it's still very, very high. And so they're trying to be sensitive to it. But but I think it comes down to this decision and a decision uh, on the Permian re regarding uh, a potential examination of non-attainment. I think those actual decisions highlight the reality that the Biden administration has placed activists, climate activists, in mo many of these political appointment jobs, and they're driving one direction, and that direction is fundamental hostility to American-produced energy. 
And that's that's just their policy. You know, they have to have a few rhetoric uh, statements every once in a while. They have to find ways to punt. But in this particular case with this leasing program, they did not want to make a decision to say no, but they certainly didn't want to take no off the table at this time. You know, I'm reading your great interview with uh, Fox uh, Business website. Uh, Former top Trump official rips Biden administration's recent oil drilling proposal, reducing lease sales. And um, you it's a a, coined a great phrase. Climate activism uh, beats energy security. I mean, that's really what's going on here. And, David, I would just add to that. To me, energy security has a lot to do with national security. Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, maybe you can talk about your your thought process because it's you've made it in very stark, clear, simple terms what the issue is. I radical climate activism beats energy security, beats national security, and the Bidens don't seem to care, right? They they're gimmicks. They're taking forty percent, depleting forty percent of our spro which is there for national security purposes. They don't care about that. They're just trying to manipulate prices. And as you've said, they don't care about new leases. And I would only add to that, David, uh, they're not given any permits anyway, right? There are no permits for drilling. There are no permits for pipelining. There's no permits for refinery. They don't care. You've heard that all week on your show from your guests, and that is is the reality. And, you know, the the real harm here at the end of the day is is to first off the american consumer who is harmed by these policies right out of the gate and that's obvious to everyone but it's also tremendously harmful to these local communities in areas like louisiana that you know they they are dependent on these um economic activities and what you're doing with not leasing and not issuing permits is simply not letting that um, economic activity thrive, and then when you look at the world, um, if you look at the world market, and you if you look at the uh, Energy Information Administration today, what they say about the future is for the next two years, um, they think world production is going to be flat. And where do they see growth? They see growth in the Permian. Um, primarily driving world production. Um, Otherwise, world production is flat. And then at the same time, what do we have? We have the Environmental Protection Agency um, beginning to focus like a laser on the Permian all at the same time. It makes absolutely no sense. And you, you were in the White House, and you got to see the transformative benefit President Trump had in negotiating LNG deals, enhancing enhancing American security, and enhancing the American economy. And that was a very powerful Amer- a national security and foreign policy tool to use. And the notion that we'd be trying to um, move backwards just makes absolutely no sense on any policy level. Yes, one of Trump's greatest achievements Open the spigots. That was his problem. But he, he saw it as you know domestic enhancement for the economy, but he also saw it as national security. You know, you and I heard him so many times uh, essentially begging these Europeans uh, to realize just how dependent they are on Russia, begging them to open up 
uh, facilities to take our LNG exports. Um, you know, Merkel, right? Merkel of Germany said, Absolutely. yeah, we will. She started it. And then the minute the minute the, the 2020 election was over, the, she killed it. Okay. And other things, pipelines that we wanted to run up through. Anyway, um, I'm going to take a break, David, and I want you to please stay with me and come back. I want to talk about your Permian Basin concerns. This is the EPA ozone regulations. I don't think they have the authority to do it. Maybe the Supreme Court decision would hopefully stop that. I had Governor Abbott of Texas on this week, and he said he's going to take local state action to protect the the Permian. According to some, the Permian produces 43% of our oil. 43%. That's exactly right. It's 43% of daily production. You got that spot on, Larry. So they want, so the EPA wants to close that down. <laughs> it's, it's unimaginable. I mean, you could be talking about 15 million jobs. It'll destroy Texas, for heaven's sakes. Pretty incredible. <laughs> I just don't believe it. Walk me through. Here's the, um, the uh, EPA is going after uh, new, tough restrictions on ozone. They're going to use ozone. Uh, the Obama Clean Power Plant was sort of, that was blown up by the Supreme Court decision. That's good. But they're trying to now use tight ozone standards to indirectly regulate uh, carbon from fossil fuels. And um, they're going right after the Permian Basin, as you noted before the break. Now, can this be stopped? Greg Abbott, Governor Abbott, who's an old friend, a smart guy, he told me on TV the other night he can stop it using state laws. And the Supreme Court decision is essentially saying uh, without congressional laws, uh, the EPA has to give way to state laws. And there aren't any congressional laws, and they're not going to get any congressional laws through to, to, to uh, deal with this. But what happens with ozone and the Permian? Can it be stopped? Well, I think you have to start with one of the, you know, the reasons the Permian has thrived is, you know, first, great geology, right? That, that was critical. But also, the Permian is largely state-regulated. It's private land. It has a very stable regulatory regime. And, and then now you have the um, EPA um, and the activists at EPA saying, look, uh, we're going to go after this like a laser focused on whether or not they're at, uh, obtaining the um, appropriate uh, ozone requirements. And in doing that, they do have authority. The state has authority to push back, and the state will. Um, the, 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 the real challenge here, I think, is um, that, it, that it creates um, a great deal of hostility and uncertainty, which is really the point of um, of efforts like this. At the end of the day, they drive uh, investment away. They drive, um, you know, investors who don't want to be um, in the business of fighting City Hall when making their investment. Investment, And that's happening across the energy sector because of the hostility that, um, that the administration has. And we've seen, um, typically, when you have prices rising like this, you would see additional investments in efforts for production. And those have not been um, nearly as high. Now, the true consequence of this ozone effort 
is it could have a tremendous impact on um, individual rigs and and rig counts out there. And that, you know, would further um, uh, frustrate additional production. And so that is the real challenge. Abbott Abbott has arguments and Abbott has some strength. Now, whether this decision, whether the EPA decision, EPA versus West Virginia, um, is the decision that that would um, push back on this or not remains to be seen. But it very well may, because Justice Roberts was very, very clear in laying out why um, the Supreme Court took the action it did in rejecting uh, the radical clean power program. And he said, he said essentially this, that we are addressing a particular and recurring problem. And what was that problem that they're addressing? The particular and recurring problem they're addressing is federal agencies asserting highly consequential power Mm. beyond what Congress could reasonably be understood to have granted. And that's what they were going after. They had seen agency after agency um, doing this, and he lays out the standard when there's an um, agency asserting highly consequential power beyond what Congress could reasonably be understood to have granted. We're not going to uphold that action. And, um, you know, in the case of the Clean Power Plan, they had a law that was nearly 50 years old, and it had never been interpreted the way the Obama administration proposed to interpret it. Congress had rejected climate change um, legislation, and this had an enormous impact on the economy. Now, fast forward to the Permian, 43% of daily production, depending on how dramatic they want to be, um, that could be tremendously consequential. And so, there may be something here, but there's certainly the, what Roberts has done with this case is laid out very clearly, not only to EPA, but to all federal agencies. Look, what you agency don't be asserting a highly consequential power beyond what we think Congress could have been uh, reasonably understood to have granted. And that is that is a real shot across the bow to the agencies to be judicious with their actions and authority. Now, I have no faith, no faith that the Biden administration will get that message. But the second message was to the the lower courts. You need to be sorting this out. Don't allow this peculiar and recurring problem to continue. And it's also a warning to Congress that, hey, you need to write clear statutes Mm -hmm. and don't just punt to agencies uh, when a problem comes up and think they can fix it. Now, the overall result of that case, as you know, is a great result for democracy because it says the um, power for highly consequential decisions rests with the um, elected representatives uh, of America. And that means that the American people can hold those people accountable where they can't hold a bureaucrat accountable. Yeah, yeah uh, that's a great rundown, by the way. Thank you for that. You know, uh, John Roberts has always been very good on uh, economic regulation. I, I, I may not agree with Absolutely. him on other things, but that's, I, I mean, I've known him a, a, a good many years, and he's always been good on that. One of the points you just made, which I think is key and probably will determine the fate of the Permian, and it might also determine the fate of the Marcellus, right, the Bakken, uh, all these big oil reservoirs, is the lower courts, 
as you described. Now, the state officials will act in their own best interest. So Greg Abbott, for example, in Texas, you know, he and his attorney general will do whatever it takes to keep the Permian open. I mean, he was quite clear about that. That's right. He's willing to fight. That's right. And, and that's his nature. I mean, he's a uh, very good governor. But the, your point about the l- lower courts may be absolutely crucial, David. Absolutely. And um, and it may take the courts, you know, a few uh, times to get it right, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, as um, they work these back. But what we do know with this Roberts decision, this was a 6-3 decision. And I think that the, the, all six of those uh, members on the, for this decision are going to be very steadfast in this issue. And um, and that is significant for um, the regulatory reining in the regulatory overreach that has consistently occurred um in this administration and it really means uh, i'm very hopeful of the decision because i think it means greater accountability and it means that legislators may have to deal with the issues of the day and decide them and reach compromise and remember if we're going to impose if 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 the american people are going to have imposed on them a highly consequential decision, that compromise of legislating should be where that where that um, policy is reconciled. And that yeah. is the right place for it. You know, one just one quick point. We're run out of time. But um, the Baker Hughes rig count, David, you know, it, it has not recovered despite record right. prices. So that's to your point. David Bernhardt. Former Interior Secretary helping out with the America First Policy Institute. Can't thank you enough, David Bernhardt. We will talk soon. 